Amen. Man, God is moving among us today. It's clear to me. God is at work. And, you know, even, even in days where we don't see it, in days where we don't feel it, God is still at work. And um, this has been a hard week for me on uh, allergy level. Um, and I may lose my voice during this sermon, and that's all right, because you know what? God's not going to lose his voice. And so I would like for us to pray this morning that God would um, sustain his word uh, as it comes forth from this broken vessel up here. Um, so let's pray together. Lord, we do ask that you would speak to us today mightily by your spirit. Lord, it is your spirit's presence through the proclamation of the gospel and the word of God that changes hearts, that gives us new life, new hope, new love, and everything we need for life and for godliness. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would make a way. At least for me, I'm, I'm painfully aware of my inadequacy. And Lord, I know that in those times when we are weak, then you are strong. And so, Lord, we just put this in your hands, Lord. We put this in your hands and we ask you, Lord, to communicate to your people through your word, by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture for today is found in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. So if you would follow along with me as I read. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. May God add a blessing to the reading and the preaching of his word. Thanks be to God. The title of this message today is Grace Changes Everything. Grace changes everything. Grace is like free money. Can the church say free money? Come on, say it again. Free money. Free money. Now, who doesn't like, who doesn't like free money? Well, some of you are thinking nothing's free. Right? There's always a cost. Somebody's paying the cost. But to you or to me, the money might actually be free. 
right? It might actually come to me for free if you receive it as a gift. Earlier this year, the U.S. government sent direct payments to Americans making under $75,000 a year or a household of $150,000 a year. Individuals received $1,400 per family member. And so a family of four would receive, would have received, did receive $5,600. The stimulus payments were in response to the economic impact of this ongoing COVID-19 crisis that we've all been facing. Why? Because people have found themselves in difficult circumstances this year, without a job, without a means to support their family. And so our government has stepped in and provided what? Come on now. Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute now, it's not free, right? Somebody paid for it, right? That's true. But from the perspective of the recipient, it is what? It's free money. And let me tell you this, free money is a free gift. I want you to think about this. If you received a stimulus payment or if you know someone who received a stimulus payment, how did the stimulus change things for you? How did receiving $1,400 per family member make a difference in your life? Were you able to buy food? Were you able to pay overdue bills? Were you able to buy necessities? Were you able to pay off that debt that's been hanging over you? Maybe you had some extra money in order to spend time with your family. Maybe you were able to take a vacation. I know one thing, the stimulus did make an impact. It made an impact on families' lives. It made an impact on my family's life. The stimulus, I'm going to call it a gift, the stimulus gift made lots of things possible. It made a difference in people's lives. The stimulus itself was undeserved and free. And so in that sense, the stimulus was like grace. Undeserved and free. Yes, it did cost somebody something, right? But for you and me, the recipients... It comes as a gift. It comes as a life-altering change. Grace changes everything. Grace changes how you think. Grace changes how you feel. And grace changes how you act. Paul's letter to the church at Rome spends 11 chapters explaining God's grace to sinners who are undeserving like us. God's mercy and his kindness, his love for people like us. And then in chapter 12, as Joel began to expound last week, we see that not only do we receive grace, but grace transforms us. Right? Grace makes us into a sacrifice living. Grace has feet. Grace changes everything. Grace transforms us. And, and first, I, I, I want us to see how grace changes how you think. Look with me at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, that God has assigned. Grace changes how you think. 
You know, the Apostle Paul understood this more than anyone. He, he really understood God's grace. Why? Because Paul, as you, re- you may, may remember his story, you may remember that Paul was an avowed enemy of Christ. He was an avowed enemy of everything that Jesus stood for and of his people. In fact, he took it to them and persecuted them and threw them in jail and at, at sometimes even oversaw their destruction. The first martyr of the Christian church named Stephen was stoned with stones under the watchful eye of who? Paul. You see, Paul was not looking for Jesus when Jesus poured out his mercy and his grace on Paul. Paul, In fact, Paul was on the road to destruction. He was on the road to destroy God's people when Jesus literally stopped him in his tracks and gave him grace. Jesus said to Paul, why are you persecuting me? From now on, you're my man. From now on, I'm forgiving the past and I'm moving you and I'm gifting you and I'm sending you out to the very people that you hate. You see, Paul understands God's grace. Paul was a changed man, transformed by the grace of God. Did grace change everything for Paul? Yes. Yes, it did. It changed everything. Grace causes us to think of ourselves with humility. Here's this prideful man who God takes pours out his grace, and suddenly he's dependent. Suddenly he's looking to God for everything. Suddenly he's humble. Look at what the scripture says. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. The root, my dad always says this, and so I think it's true. The root of all sin is pride. Let me say that again. The root of all sin is pride. Now, you may argue the finer points of theology, but when it comes down to it, pride sits in judgment over others. Pride can't take criticism. Pride lives in fear of what other people think. And it leads us into all kinds of destruction and death and sin. But God's grace liberates us from pride. God's grace recognizes that all we have is free money. That all we have is a gift from God. And so grace teaches us and trains us to think differently. That we would hold on to things loosely. Grace is not destroyed when we experience loss. When we experience pain and hardship, grace teaches us to think differently. It changes how we think so that we're not destroyed by hardship. But we continue to trust the one who's given us everything we have. Grace not only changes how we think by making us humble, grace causes us to think differently, and it actually gives us, watch this, it gives us confidence. Grace not only makes you humble, but it doesn't make you the kind of humble that has to hide behind a chair. 
Grace makes you humble and gives you confidence. Look at what the scripture says in verse 3. It says, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. See, humility is not self-hatred. Humility is just honesty. God doesn't say you have to hate yourself. God says, think with sober judgment. Now, what does that mean? Sober judgment. We think of getting drunk, right? The opposite of getting drunk is being what? Sober. And so, maybe you've been drunk. Maybe you know somebody who's been drunk. All right. We can be honest about it. Intoxication removes your ability to think clearly. Everything gets blurred. When you're drunk, you don't see things accurately. You can't make good judgments when you're drunk, right? It blurs everything. Sober judgment is the opposite. It means seeing things clearly. It means to be sober, to to judge soberly means that you can be honest with yourself about you. That you can know who you actually are. That you can see things clearly. That you're not drunk on yourself. Right? And that you you don't inflate yourself. But you also don't deflate yourself. Right? You see yourself as you actually are. This is what God's grace does. It allows us to see the measure of faith that God has assigned. And that should give you confidence. confidence to be who God made you to be. Why? Because you have an assignment. Look at the scripture. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You have an assignment. God has created you and redeemed you for a special purpose. You and 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 you. The scripture says you have been given a measure of faith. In fact, you will not be able to do your assignment without it. You will not be able to do the assignment that God has given you without faith. Watch this. Faith is not inaction. Faith is God in action. Faith is not inaction. Faith is God in action. Faith is not inaction. Faith is God in action through you. Faith is where God takes you on your assignment. And you, through depending on him, he is in action. Sometimes we think of faith as only passive. As only me sitting back and watching God. Watch God. Watch God. Yes, watch God and follow him. Watch God in action through you. That's what faith is. Faith is God in action through you. So what is your assignment? Look, it's not a mystery. Your assignment is what God has put in front of you right now. What do you have to do Monday morning? What do you spend the majority of your life doing? This is part of your assignment. 
And God will give you faith to do your work, to do your assignment. He has given us a measure of faith. What are the good works that God has laid before you? What are the good works that God gives you insight as you're going throughout your life and God's, and God's spirit prompts you and says, maybe you should do this. And we think, oh, I don't think I can handle that. And God says, you're right, you can't handle it. Faith is God in action. And so God calls us into the things that we think we can't do. So here's the exhortation from the word, try something. Do something. Serve, love, teach, help. Grace changes how you think. And secondly, grace changes how you feel. <clears throat> Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Grace changes how you feel. In today's world, we feel increasingly isolated. Increasingly disconnected from other people. Just look around. We feel that we are alone. And in many ways, we are alone. But God's grace can change the way you feel about that. God's grace can make you feel connected. Why? Because you actually are. Look at what verse 5 says. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. The analogy of the human body affirms that we are actually connected, organically connected, spiritually connected to everyone who believes in the name of Jesus. So that we do not have to feel alone, but we can feel connected. And this phrase which says, in Christ, is, it should jump off the page at us, right? Why? Because you are not only connected to one another, you are primarily connected to Christ, you are in Christ. In theology, we call this union with Christ. And what it means is that, that we are indwelled by his Holy Spirit. And in that indwelling, we are united to everything that Jesus Christ is, was, and will be. And so it means that all of our sins were in Christ on the cross. Watch, watch this. And that all our life is and was in Christ when he rose from the dead. And all of the goodness that Jesus lived in his life, all of the love and the kindness and the miracles and all of that is given to us. It's in us so that when the Father looks upon you, even now, he can say, my beloved. He can say of you, you are righteous in my sight. Why? Because we are united to Christ. Because we are in Christ. And if we are in Christ, then what? We are with one another. And so if you grasp the reality of union with Christ, then you can feel connected. You don't have to feel alone anymore. You don't have to feel isolated anymore. Because God says you are actually connected to my body. 
And we do not have the same function. We all have different personalities and strengths and weaknesses. And the reason for this is so that we would feel connected, that we would feel our need for one another, right? Because if you have all the gifts or I have all the gifts, then who needs anybody? But the way God designed his church is so that we would need one another and that we would feel dependent. Grace changes you so that you feel dependent. Dependent on Jesus, yes, but also dependent on one another. In fact, Paul moves in verse Three, from the, from the singular, grace given to me. And in verse 6, he says, grace given to us. Grace given to me, in verse 3. And in verse 6, grace given to us. Because Christianity is not a private religion. It is not about you and Jesus or you and the Holy Spirit or you and the Father. It is about you and me and you and us. We are the body. But feeling dependent can be a shock for Americans, right? Because why? We prize our independence. We prize our independence. And, 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 and maybe this is a good thing for us politically, But spiritually, may it never be. Spiritually, we are dependent on God's grace. And spiritually, we are dependent on one another because we are members of one another. Help me, Jesus. Have you ever stubbed your toe? Have you ever said a cuss word? Those two things are connected. (laughs) If you've ever stubbed your toe, you know that that pain is not isolated to the toe. But that when you stub your toe, your whole body feels it. And this is how God has created the church. When one part of the body suffers, every part suffers. I'm taking us back to 1 Corinthians. When one part of the body suffers, every part suffers. Why? Because we are dependent on one another. And if you are suffering and nobody in the church knows about it, you are not going to feel connected and you're not going to feel dependent. Why? Because we need to share our griefs with one another. We can't keep it a secret. And that's what the group me is for, okay? But that's also what phone calls are for, and that's what life is for, for us to share our burdens with one another, to share the, the stub toe, right? Because the solution that many have tried is to feel the pain in the church and to say, you know what, nobody cares about me, so I'm just going to lop off the toe and go my merry way, right? And so we got a lot of, we got a lot of dislodged toes laying around, hurt people who've been hurt by the church because no one cared. God's grace changes how we feel. It better change how we feel. It better change how we feel. And that means we have to engage with one another. Right? It can't just be about one gift. It has to be about the body. 
I had a friend who always used to tell me he didn't want to join the church. This was in another town. He, he always said, I don't want to join the church. I don't want to be a member. And we would talk about it. And he said, look, I can worship on my own. I can get everything I need from podcasts and books. I don't need to be a member of a church. Notice what his comments revealed. I, me, my. You see how individual we've made Christianity? It's not just him. We all fall into that. But God says being a member matters. There is no body without members. Right? There is no body without members. Member means body part, just in case you're wondering. Okay, there is no body without members. And let's take a look at how this affects us globally, and especially in this day and age. More and more people, especially young people, are leaving organized religion. This is the truth. It's, there's been studies that have shown that more and more young adults are leaving organized religion for what they consider a more authentic, individualized expression of faith. And I get it because of the stubbed toes, right? I mean, I get it. Because we haven't shown grace to one another very well. Sociologist Robert Putnam warned us that this is a dangerous path. 20 years ago in his book titled Bowling Alone, Putnam warned us with these words. He said, People divorced from community, occupation, and association are first and foremost among the supporters of extremism. Let me read that again. This is a powerful observation. He says, people divorced from community, occupation, and association are first and foremost among the supporters of extremism. In other words, the more isolated we become, the more we reject membership, the more we demonize people of other socioeconomic, racial, religious, ethnic, or political perspectives. Now, if there was any doubt that this was true, 2020 revealed it. If there was any doubt that this was true, that what Putnam, Putnam saw 20 years ago was true, 2020 made it clear. The worldwide pandemic forced us into even greater isolation. And it has left a wake of lonely, suspicious, and increasingly angry people. We have seen, now I don't know the numbers, but I feel like we've seen a rise in mass shootings in recent days. And this is perhaps because of the isolation. Perhaps because we have abandoned membership. And it wasn't just in 2020. It's been going on for decades and decades and decades. And really centuries and centuries and centuries. As the church abandons its mission to be the body of Christ. To join together across ethnic and socioeconomic and political lines. Then we just become these 
havens for extremism. And do we not see that happening? Church, this is what God has called us to in His grace. He's called us to change. He's called us to be the body dependent on Him, not on our ideologies, but dependent on Him. Look at, what, look at what God says to us. We, though many, are one body in Christ. We, though many, are one body in Christ. Because grace changes how you think. We don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We don't think more lowly of ourselves than we ought. Grace changes how you feel. You feel connected. You feel dependent. And grace changes how you act. And that's where we go now in verse 6. In verse 6, the scripture says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. To the one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The spiritual gifts are gifts of grace. They are free money that you get to spend on each other. The spiritual gifts are free money that you get to spend on each other on the neighborhood right over here, on the neighborhood right over here. The spiritual gifts are God's grace to you. And the amazing thing about this, look, is that we are called to bless others. That the spiritual gifts are all other-focused. They're not for you to spend on yourself. We talked about this in 1 Corinthians. Just a reminder, they are given to us that we might give to others, right? We are called to serve, to teach, to exhort, to show mercy, Grace changes how you act. When we actually receive God's mercy and His grace, it changes how you act. It changes how you behave. No longer do you live for yourself, but you live for others. No longer do you give everything so you can be self-pleased, but you give everything so that you can please God and please others. But don't let your gifts go to waste. Don't let your gifts go to waste. A few years back, Laurie and I, for some reason, received a bunch of gift cards. We, it was like every birthday, every Christmas, every thank you note had a gift card in it. And we had kind of collected over a few months, like, a nice little stack of gift cards. And the problem was, a lot of these were for restaurants, or they were for things that we didn't always go to, or we would get there and we would realize, oh, we left the gift card at home. And so what we, what we did is we put a put a rubber band around them, and stuck them in the car. That way, when we got where we were going, we would be, oh yeah, we got a gift card, let's pull it out and use it. But what happened? We forgot about them. <laughs> we were digging through the glove box the other day, and we found a stack of gift cards. And we're like, yes! And then we opened them up and started going through them. And you guessed it, they were almost all expired. You see, the gifts went to waste. That's why God tells us right here in verse 6, 
having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, what? Let us, let us, let us use them. God has given you gifts so that you will use them. The emphasis here is not on figuring out what your gifts are. The emphasis here is not on figuring out what the gifts mean exactly. The emphasis is on using them. Look at each one of the gifts. It says, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to faith, if service in our serving, right? It's the use that is being emphasized here. Why? Because we often let our gifts go to waste. We often sit on our gifts and don't ever use them. Don't let your gifts go to waste, brothers and sisters. Are you gifted as a prophet? Speak boldly the truth of God. Are you gifted in service? Pay attention to the needs and help. Are you gifted in teaching? Help somebody learn. Are you gifted in exhortation? Try helping someone get back on their feet. Are you gifted in contributing? Meet a need. See what happens. Are you gifted as a leader? Step up. Take action. Are you gifted in mercy? Open your hands to the poor. You see, the, the focus here is on using the gifts before they expire. Use the gifts. Do something. Why? Because grace changes how you act. It does. It changes, but you have to act. Grace changes how you act, but you have to act. You see, it's in the doing that we experience the joy of giving. It, you, you will never know what it's like to, to use your gifts if you never use them. <laughs> right? You will never know what it's like to get, to get to lead someone to Christ. To lead someone to faith if you never say a word about him. You will never know what it's like to see someone rise out of their situation if you never exhort them in the way that God wants them to go. So brothers and sisters, uh, <laughs> this is a call to action. It really is a call to action. Grace changes how you act, so do something. I'm going to leave you with an illustration. This is kind of a thought experiment, and here it is. I'm drink my last bit of water. Nobody is spiritual duct tape. Nobody is spiritual duct tape. Now, some of you love duct tape. I do. Duct tape is an incredibly versatile product. Most guys swear by the stuff. Some ladies swear by the stuff. It can fix anything, so it claims, right? Anything. You can make a wallet out of it. I mean, you can make a cup. You can do Google duct tape. And you will find a thousand websites to tell you a thousand ways to use duct tape. It's incredibly versatile. It can do anything, or so we are told. But I want you to look at the drain pipes in this building. Right over here. I want you to go after service, go and look at the drain pipes right up here, and you will see residue of what? Duct tape. And do you know why there's residue of duct tape and not actual duct tape? 
Because somebody tried to fix these pipes with duct tape one time and it didn't work. They still leaked. You see, some of you think that you have the gift for everything. You think that you can do everything, that all of those gifts, you're like, yeah, I can do that. Check, 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 check. And the reason I know that is because, right, because I'm convicted about this. Nobody is spiritual duct tape. Some of you are very gifted. But rather than letting God's grace change the way you think, you think too highly of yourself. Rather than letting the grace of God change the way you feel, you intentionally isolate yourself and break down community. Rather than letting the grace of God change the way you act, you do it yourself. There's grace for duct tape too. Amen? There's grace for duct tape too. God has made the body with many members. His grace changes us. It makes us humble when we receive it. His grace gives us confidence in what he's called us, sober judgment, right? We can see things clearly. His grace makes us dependent on one another. It gives us a feeling of connection that we desperately need and that our neighbors desperately need. Grace moves us out into one another's lives to bring his grace to everyone. We become agents of grace. We are one body in Christ. Amen? We are one body in Christ. Many members. One body. Grace changes everything. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for sustaining this voice. Lord, thank you for preparing a word for me today and for this church today. And Lord, I pray that you would cause the word to take root in our hearts and that you would build your kingdom here through New City, through the ministry that we do, not individually, but collectively. Lord, make us more and more dependent on one another and on you as we receive your grace, as we pour it into one another's lives. Lord, help us to to do it, to not waste our gifts, but to use them, trusting you with the measure of faith that you have given. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We give ourselves to you. We give ourselves away to you. As you have given yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand and let's continue to worship the Lord. Nothing but the blood of Jesus.